Everybody and welcome to the 326th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that won the battle for Baldur's Gate just by not showing up. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our busy schedule this week? Well, we're going to lead off with a couple of uh, modern, uh, a couple of tournaments that were online this past weekend, one modern, one pioneer. Then we've got some paper movers to talk about and cards that have jumped a lot in value. Then the cards that have moved a lot on Magic Online. Then you and I have some cards to watch. And then we're going to close out by talking about the rest of the uh, Commander Legends 2 Battle for Baldur's Gate previews, including the actual decks that have been spoiled for us. Is, uh, is Dungeons and Dragons part of the official name? Is the full name Commander Legends Dungeons and Dragons Battle for Baldur's Gate? No, I think it's Commander Legends colon Battle for Baldur's Gate. Okay, because I'm looking at the package and it has the D&D on there, but I figure that's just like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim kind of shit. I mean, that might be the part of the official title, <clears throat> but I haven't seen the... Right. Yeah, like if you look at the text on that page from Wizards, it says, Most Commander Legends colon Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander decks contain blah blah blah. So it looks like yeah. in, in common speech they don't include the Dungeons & Dragons because it's, uh, well, a lot. A lot. It's a lot. All right. Let's get cracking. Lead us off here on the Modern Challenge from May 29th. What showed up there? Well, uh, first and second place were each one copy of Hammer Time. Uh, you know, pretty standard list. You know, one of the the, the fun uh, reality chip as the searchable one with Stoneforge. Uh, both of them are running a couple of Blacksmith Skill. Uh, not really a lot going on uh, in between the two of them. Pretty standard. Third place had a uh, a really fun looking uh, blue red Bruntide build. Had three copies of uh, Ledger Shredder. Fourth place was Yogmoth combo. Uh, that one had two copies of Magus and the Moon in the main board. And considering the real lack of basics that uh, people are playing, I imagine like you got some wins off that because you can't besage you that away. Yeah, that's why people people switch from Blood Moon to to Magus of the Moon. It was the Besage, the advent of Besage. So good. It's so good. Um, fifth place, was, I almost said fifth period, my goodness. Fifth place is Living End. Uh, sixth place, uh, Crashing Footballs Cascade. We hadn't seen that in a while, where they only have three cards with Cascade that I fork uh, the playset of Shardless Agent, and that's it. Um, they didn't have any other, like, oh no, I'm sorry, they've got uh, Violent Outburst as well, I just couldn't see. But those playing the uh, split spells in Dead and Gone and Fire and Ice for your fun early interaction. 
and your uh, shardless agent always gets you two four fours, as does your violent outburst. Crashing footballs does not have haste. Okay. Uh, then seventh place was four color Yorion Omnath, just a delightful pile. And eighth place was another blue red Murktide list. This one playing four copies of Ledger Shredder, a card we're going to talk about in a minute. All right, so pretty much uh, par for the course, I guess. Ledger Shredder sh- setting up pretty solidly inside the Murktide decks, uh, cements it in the format. The over in the Pioneer Challenge on May twenty eighth, we ha- were first place was Black Red Fable Value. Uh, we've seen that deck before, and then second place was Minota Combo, still playing Fable. Blue White Yorion Control in third. Blue Red Thing in the Ice in fourth with three times Quicken. You note. That's pretty cool. And then Lotus Field Combo and Blue-Red Aggro with four times Ledger Shredder. So yet another archetype in a different competitive format, uh, demonstrating that Shredder is, for the time being at least, here to stay. Blue-Black Typhoon, that's a Blue-Black Control deck with uh, Shark Typhoon, and Blue-White Yorion Control in eighth. Both formats looking healthy and headed in the right direction. I mean, this blue-black deck in 7th place, I, I can't remember the last time I saw so many one-ofs in a deck, uh, including the the lands, and, like, you've got a miser uh, drowned in the lock. Usually you're all in on that card. Like, you've got to be really fond of uh, things like Mystical Dispute or Spell Pierce to have, like, just one of. And if there's a, a reason why there's only there's all these one-ofs, I can't find what it is. So, like, if you notice something or somebody else does, let me know, because I'm really curious about this deck. Clearly it performed. I mean, you get to you get just one copy of Shark Typhoon into play, and you're good to go. But I was really amazed at how many one-ofs this one had. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the build strategy is there, and but certainly a deck worth keeping an eye on, because blue-black control is not something I have seen in most of the Pioneer Top 8s over the last couple months. Yeah, it seems uh, seems real good. I, I like where Pioneer's at. I hope it doesn't get barbled up too badly coming up soon. Alrighty. Uh, moving on over to the top paper movers of the week. We had Zerillion of the Claw out of um, Mirage going from 15 to 18. It's 20% gains on the back of just a ton of dragon support that showed up in Commander Legends 2. One of the archetypes that got the most out of this uh, set for sure. Uh, I know you're excited to include at least five or six new cards in in your Ur-Dragon deck. I'm at ten actually, oh, wow. and it's it, it's it's hard, man. It's difficult. I'm down to like the forty best dragons in Magic, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Fair enough. And uh, I can't remember if it was you or maybe Travis that picked Zerillion of the Claw on the cast sometime in the last couple of years, but uh, I'm sure it was at a sub ten dollar price point, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, he's on the reserve list. He's got nowhere to go but up. Every every dragon set makes him good. Zerlin would be like three times this price if he said, uh, you know, exile it at end of turn. But if you even if you sacrifice it to something like greater good, you're still exiling the card. So you got to be real in on the Zerlin plan. Then we have Fable of the Mirror Breaker out of Neon Dynasty going from seven to eight fifty. It's just twenty one percent gains, but it's been edging up and up and up. I think early on people were getting in on that card around three two to three dollars, if I'm not mistaken. So there's already right. there's already a solid buy list play to be had, as it sees multi-format play, uh, and very similarly, unlicensed hearse was almost certainly underrated 
uh, when first revealed from Streets of New Capenna. It went from five to six fifty for regular copies this week. That's thirty percent canes. Tough to make money on it from in that range, but if you were in early on bricks of this, um, you know under two dollars, then your your buy listing situation is probably looking quite good. Are you uh, if you let's say you bought in at three? Are you trying to exit now? Or are you holding on? Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be an important card for the rest of the year. Uh, it could easily get printed into challenger decks next winter, but I could see mm-hmm. I could see buy lists continuing to rise in this. I mean, currently CK is offering three seventy, which is four eighty one credit. Uh, so if you were in on her set between one and three dollars, then you you have a nice a solid exit right now. You don't necessarily need to wait. This doesn't seem like a. I mean. I think that this is the kind of card that in the current meta, it is not particularly uh, heavy on graveyard synergies. If the format pivots to being more focused on graveyard synergies in any of the formats where it's relevant, standard, pioneer, and modern, it's seen play in all three, um, then its stock likely goes up. Um, But it seems to be doing just fine, especially in standard and pioneer, even without that particular focus. So... The exit is here. You can take it or leave it. You can get greedy or not. You may get paid off for waiting. You may not. I guess we'll have to see. Um, I suspect. I, so. I, I suspect there's not a lot of Street New Capenna to be opened this summer. I mean, we've got CMR two, and then people have shifted some funds away from that, given it, given its very medium status um, for speculation, and that money will likely be shifted to Double Masters two. And then we've still got Unfinity, we've got Brothers War, and uh, Dominaria United in the fall. So it's going to be plenty busy for us the year. Brutal time to be my wallet, man. Brutal time. Now, there is a new horror-based uh, deck uh, that is on offer uh, via the Commander decks for Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. And so Umbrus Fear Manifest out of uh, the Valk, um set, which is uh, Crimson Vows Commander decks. Uh, has gone from 6 to 8, 30, up 33%, just the regular version uh, on the back of that. We've got Anger of the Gods. This is the Yargle secret layer version, going from 8 to 12. That's 50% gains. I would imagine Anger of the Gods sees the most play in Pioneer, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe it's the right. thing, probably the, if I had to guess without looking, it's the thing in the ice lists where dealing 3, dealing 3 doesn't go. in the Quicken deck. Yeah, because Thing in the Ice has 4 toughness. So Anger of the Gods is very effective at clearing a lot of other threats. Uh, and then Mazarek, the Crawl Death Priest, got a foil in Double Masters, and those foils have gone from $13 to $20. That's a pretty high synergy card with Vazi Keen Negotiator, because there's plus one plus, plus one plus one counter synergies involved. And then Days Undoing foils from Origins, uh, I believe that's the only time they've ever been printed, has gone from... Way down at, I think my entry point on these was 12 or $13 a few years back. And now, in theory, it went from mid-60s to almost $100 this week, which basically just means it's nearly sold out. Um, it combos very well with uh, Narset, part of Avails in multiple formats, uh, including Pioneer, and does a lot of work that way. So given that it has never kept caught a reprint... I think you get out right now while the getting is good because this is the kind of card that could easily show up in double masters, and right, and you could get caught. 
you could get caught flat-footed if you get too greedy. It is part of the list. So, like, if you uh, take a look at the um, non... If you're interested in non-foils, there's still a lot of non-foils to be had. But, yeah, the only printing was Magic Origins, which was forever ago. Four years now? Uh, was it that short ago? I felt like it was longer. Uh, in 19... Yeah, I think you're right. Four years ago. Last summer set was AFR. The one before that would have been 2021. And then 2020. Yeah, M20, M19. And so, yeah, it would have been M18. So, maybe five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's exactly uh, three uh, foils on TCG right now uh, at 100, 150, 150. So then, we, then we've got Eidolon of Rhetoric out of Journey into Nyx foils from 10 to 16. That's a solid EDH card and also sees play in Death and Taxes uh, style brews in both Modern and Legacy. Ledger Shredder still on a tear. Extended Arts. Uh, from the collector boosters for Streets of New Capanna going from 20 to 35. Uh, I've said before I was a seller of these in the 25 to 30 range. I'm even more of a seller now. The card is clearly a multi-format staple, but it's still an extended art rare that is priced at a foil price instead of in a non-foil price. So I have a copy of this posted, I think, for $29 or so on eBay and... You know, if if there are people below me, I will I would still hold steady at that price. If there are people above me, I might shift up a couple of dollars, and I guess I have to double check on that. But it it's seeing play on in so many formats. It, it I think it was a four of in a vintage top eight uh, challenge this weekend that it won. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oko Oko posted about it in the uh, in the Discord. So it has top eighted in standard, pioneer, modern. Like pretty sure legacy vintage and it's a tremendous edh card so one of the most underrated rares of the year easily easily this is going to be on uh when when we sit down and we plan out where we could have made the most money this is probably going to be one of the top cards for that yep i've got a huge spreadsheet i pulled together tracking which versions of cards people are supposed to be buying that i'm releasing to the pro traders might be tomorrow, might be Thursday, and Ledger Shredder will definitely be one of the cards under examination there. Uh, and the the simple uh, analysis is that the non-foils would have made you the most money. The um, As is true of most cards that are underestimated during spoiler season, where if you get out ahead of the crowd, you're doing very well indeed. Uh, hats off to the people that took a look at the early results from aspiring Spike streams on Twitch and YouTube and decided to go go in deep. Now, Gatekeeper Vine out of Return to Ravnica foils from 5 to 11.50. That's on the back of Gates Pressure in EDH from the Commander Legends 2 cards that were coughed up to reinforce that archetype. We have Cultist of the Absolute, which is still a pre-order because these cards aren't out yet, from Commander Legends 2. Foils of this background are have gone from 150 to 350 on pre-order. Uh, I suspect because it is a, a strong background with Bayloth Baratil Entertainer, one of the better uh, background commanders that has been revealed. This is four and a red for a 2-5 legendary creature, Elf Shaman. Creatures your opponents control with power less than Bayloth Baratil's power are goaded. Whenever a goaded attacking or blocking creature dies, you create a treasure token. And you get a background. And this background gives you plus three, plus three 
And Flying, Death Touch, Ward, Pay 3 Life, and at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. And it only costs one, right? One black mana. So that puts Bailoth in, our, our, means you're playing a red-black deck. Your commander costs five, and if you pay one more black, the first time at least, he is a five-eight. And everything that has four or less power is going to be goaded every turn. That seems good. And whenever goaded attacking or blocking creatures die, you create a treasure token. So any deaths, four power and below, assuming those two cards are the only two cards on the table, and you haven't further enhanced his power in some way. I mean, you're going to be playing the equipments that give plus four, plus five. Yeah, you're just going to be playing uh, your whatever the... um shadows or eldritch moon one it's like one mana to give it three three but it doesn't untap or something like that there's also probably i haven't looked closely but i bet you there's a background in white that would unlock playing him as an equipment commander stoneforge cigar aid hammer give him plus 10 plus 10 then literally everything's goaded <laughs> it seems good it yeah seems good you could just put the ha- hammer on him and just like go to real town if you feel like being that spicy. Yep. So anyway, Bailoth looks very good. I suspect Cultus Absolute is on the move as a result. Uh, and then Lethal Scheme out of the New Capenna Commander decks uh, that was just last month, going 375 to 9. This is the kill spell that lets you convoke up to twice because it costs 2 and 2 black. So you could tap two creatures to make it a 2 black spell destroys creature target creature or planeswalker i believe and then anything that convoked to cast it connives does that sound right Mm -hmm. a a sneaky a sneaky good point removal spell that could buff two creatures and kill a creature or planeswalker for two mana well you can convoke with black mana too so you could theoretically get this for free if you have four untapped creatures oh right i some reason i thought i was thinking convoke only handled uh, colorless cost, but yeah, the creatures. No, you're c- thinking of delve. Yeah, the creatures, c- creatures um, tap for the colors they are. So yes, you could for, get it for, for free. a colorless or one mana of that creature's color. So you could get it for free. This feels like a spec buyout to me, based on results on EDH rec. If I was guessing, so I would like head over to there, take a look at new Capenna Commander, look at the top cards, see how this one is doing. Lethal Scheme is in 1678 decks, which puts it in the top 10 from the set. Something like that. Smuggler Share way out in front with 5200, if you're wondering what sets the pace. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's Smuggler Share. That's a, that's a card that'll soak the table for 20 life over the course of four turns. Nope, nope. That's not Smuggler Share. Smuggler Share is the, white, is the white one. Smuggler Share is the white oh. one that at the beginning of each end step, you draw a card for each opponent who drew to. Uh, oh, then, right. And then what card am I thinking of? Uh, either Black Market Connections. No, that's the uh, new Arena card. Or the uh, other two in a black enchantment that yeah, I've been that running in, in Commander that where they either choose to give you the card or lose life equal to its casting cost every turn. That's the card I'm thinking of. Protection Racket, that's it. Protection Racket, that's the card. Yeah. Which, which is great, and did work again in a deck when we played. Pretty much every week I've seen Protection Racket in play, it has always done the same thing. I think in this case it drained the table for 22, and the guy only got to draw like two cards, and he was complaining about it. And I was like, you did 22 damage for you three mana. You did 22 mana. damage. For three mana. Like, what, what more do you want out of a card? 
<laughs> if the card said deal 22 damage for three mana, people would be bitching about how broken it was. Uh, mm. And that is what that card does. The the other thing, the other card that was revealed late last week, I, I think it was after our last session here, was also Tuna Black, and I think it's Black Market Protection. No, Black Market Connections. And I right. tested I tested that one out. This this card looks good. Wrapping things up, we have Lethal Scheme, as we discussed, and then moving on to the top Magic Online movers, we have Archon of Cruelty out of MH2, going from 6.24 tickets to 9.26, almost 50% gains on the combination of mo- Modern Esper Reanimator lists, occasionally making top 8s, and EDH play. We then have Eska's Chariot, which is a big deal card in both Standard and Pioneer, going from about 3.8 tickets to 5.7, so 50% gains there. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, mentioned above in the top paper movers, also moved on Magic Online. Out of Neon Dynasty, from 9.65 tickets to 16.52, that's 70% gains in a week on the back of multi-format play. People that were in early on that have done very, very well, whether in paper or digital. And then Helm of Obedience showed up as in the first place deck in a Legacy Challenge as a four of in the sideboard of Mono Black Depths. And as a result, the one of the old border promo versions of it went from 10 tickets to about 17 tickets, 82% gains. And there was another f- promo foil with unique art that also made uh, similar moves. Isn't this the uh, the spicy way to deal with somebody who's trying to get you with Rest in Peace? Like if there's Rest in Peace in play... Uh, like you're you're doing this as counter sideboard tech. This is the real galaxy brain move because if you're playing something that uses the graveyard and you think your opponent's bringing in rest in peace, if you helm of obedience them, they die because you mill them out because nothing goes to the graveyard. Right, because uh, there's never there's never a stop to the helm trigger, so you just they just lose their deck. Yeah, got it's it. It's funny. Pretty cool. Moving on over to cards to watch. I got a double dose of heaping dose of the same card here. I tried to warn the pro traders of this, uh, I think it was last Friday, because I was putting together a buy list for Card Kingdom, and I had a stack of Rafine Scheming Seer on my desk that I had intended to send over to Japan to buy list over there. I think there was a buy list opportunity at around 1,400 yen, which is about 1150 or $12 US. But I checked in on Card Kingdom, and they were offering a very reasonable number it was like 630 cash or something and since then it's moved up to 642 cash or 832 credit but the thing is that's instant arbitrage on friday you could get copies as low as 375 or four and even after i had that conversation with the pro traders in the discord on friday you can still get copies at about five dollars and maybe less depending on if you're picking them up on facebook from people or whatever and so you're covered completely by the ck buy list you can make a minor profit Snap off 10, 12, 15 copies of Rafine somewhere, throw them into CK with the rest, some of the, some other stuff you're already submitting, and you're going to do well right away. But I have a feeling, this like Rafine as a mythic that is played as a four of in standard, and probably that some version of that deck still exists in the fall, because Rafine seems like the kind of card where as the format gets more sets, she just gets more opportunities to do weird things, um, or to leverage her various synergies. So... For me to call these regular copies in a 12-month time frame to go 5 to $10 seems entirely reasonable. I think the biggest danger point is that A, it might fall out of standard, or uh, B, stop being one of the top 10 commanders in uh, on EDA track, which is where it's at right now. Um, but for the regular copies, I would be more concerned with the standard play. So if it falls out of the meta there, 
or catches a reprint in a challenger deck before you find your exit. Those are your your possible pain points. But as I said, you don't have to wait. You can just snap off some copies now, throw them over to CK's buy list and be good to go. Because I'm more than happy to take $8 credit on a $5 in if it's less than a week turnaround. I mean, that's hard to argue with, that that level of instant uh, free money. So I'm I'm for you on that. I'm real hesitant for anything like long-term standard-based right now. Uh, I need, basically I need COVID to be over, like really over, and not just like over for the people who really want it to be over. Not just pretensies. Yeah, not just pretensies. I like that. Um, and then like big televised streamed events like to be back. I need, I need weekly FNMs happening for me to get back into standard specs because like they were hard enough to pay off before but now like i'm 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 probably a stay away on regular standard uh specs for quite a while and but this one it's got like you said instant uh in and out so uh take what you can and uh are you allowed to put down uh ck's uh buy list as your delivery address is that are we allowed to drop ship them that way Uh, i think i think people have I think people have tried that and gotten away with it. Mm. I can't recall if, if CK has an official policy on that. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, did you want to talk about both or just the one? Yeah, I'll get to the, the other version in a second. You can give me your first pick. Okay. Uh, my first pick is uh, Showcase Foils of the Reality Chip. Uh, right now you can get them on TCG Player for around 11 bucks. Uh, it's already in 10,000 decks online. Uh, nobody has a huge amount of them at this point. Uh, it's selling at a brisk little clip. There's just a sprinkle of modern play in there. That's not really what I'm going for. I'm really going for the fact that this is one of the more popular uh, non-lands from the set. And when it's in play, it is just busted right in half. Uh, I'm saying it can go 11 to $25 in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. I'm probably understating that a little bit. Something cool is going to happen on somebody's stream, and it's going to uh, to jump up real hard. But, you know, the, the timing is right. It's at what appears to be its bottom, and the number of copies out there is where I want to be for this low a buy-in. The only comment I have here is that the foil extended arts might actually be the better pick. The... The thing about reality is there an FEA version of that? There is, and I think I like this art better. It kind of depends on whether you believe the market is going to gravitate more towards the anime art or the extended art. I think the extended art is better, but more importantly, it's cheaper. And they have about the same amount of listings, and they are the same overall rarity, right? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So the they they both they both have they both have listings in the mid sixties, and the foil extended arts are only four dollars, whereas the anime version is holding ten, but has drifted down from sixteen. The foil extended arts were up, got as high, started around five, got up to seven, and then drifted off for two months, which is pretty much what you'd expect. You would expect that any card that isn't Ledger Shredder esque and getting sent to the moon right off the bat um, from being too low is going to drift down. That's kind of what has to happen. If, if something is more or less just seeing mostly EDH demand, you figure first few months it's going to drift. Um, and indeed, that's what we've seen here. So what do you think? Are you keeping the anime target to go 11 to 25, or do you like going 5 to 12 or something better on the FEAs? 
the FEAs are going to pay off better. So like 5 to 12 or 13 seems quite reasonable. It's just, uh, I like I like the anime art better. I think okay. that's why I was focused on that. But either one is a good play. And again, nobody has uh, bricks of this in Near Mint Foil. Uh, like there's one with four and one with six on the FEA version. And uh, if there's one thing I hate doing, it is uh, buying three playsets of a card and getting 12 envelopes in the mail. I hate that. I hate it so much. Because I'm yeah. going to get I'm gonna get bad packing methods. I'm going to get somebody who just sends it in the... Uh, I don't know what the cheap top loader is. Like the one that's, that's, very, that's still very bendable. And uh, I'm going to get all the, the taped cards. Oh, it's going to make me crazy. So... I am probably not going to buy in on either of these, but I think the time is right. If you want a couple of copies, now you should get it. All right, fair enough. I think somewhere in the next... I don't know if you need to get it right now because they're they're both drifting down. Um, but the FEA seems to have bounced off for 75 or so and is kind of sitting, sitting still around 5. The sales velocity, if I look at total number of foil sales near mint of the Extended Arts, they sell onesie twosie a day kind of thing pretty steadily so I, I would imagine these have anywhere from six to 18 months to dry up and and get higher yeah All right, right, i just it, changed it to the fea and uh we're gonna do five to 13 okay if this was a if this was a four of in blue white hammer time this would already have taken off this would already be a 15 or 20 dollar card right uh, but they only run a single copy if i can if i recall correctly that's what Stoneforge is for, baby. Yeah. So uh, the other version of Rafine I think is worth a look is the opposite end of the spectrum. Not just the regular copy, but for your personal collection, if you're playing Rafine, I think you're in good shape to go ahead and bite off a foil extent, uh, foil gilded version of Rafine Scheming Seer, not on the back of standard play, but on the back of it being a top 10 commander this year. Um one of the pro traders has been playing Rafine for the last two or three weeks. That deck is very good <laughs> and can be built anywhere from, you know, anywhere on the spectrum that you want to build it. It's, it's pretty strong once it gets rolling. And there's a lot of ways to leverage the synergies. The little, that ward one is always more relevant than you think it is. Multiple times right. during the game, one of us tried to target Rafine and realized we didn't have enough mana to do it. Um, just a great card. It's a good-looking gilded foil, and these got up to, uh, or got down to about thirty-seven, and then got put somewhere around release. So there was a much better entry back down the road behind you. They got up to about eighty, and they've been drifting down since, and they're currently sitting around sixty to sixty-five. Thirty-six listings left. Thing is, Card Kingdom is again offering. Uh, $70 cash, so you can make $5 a copy. If you get scope someone on Facebook from somebody, you'll probably convince them to give them to you at 60 And you can get $10 a copy. And you can get it in and out clean right now. So easy money. If you miss that window, then the retail at Card Kingdom for this card is $110. Oof. So they clearly believe in it. They must be seeing a, a strong demand profile for the card at that price to to leave it that far ahead that far above tcg near mint um which leads me to believe that you can safely bite off certainly the one copy for your own version of the deck 
And then if you want to get two or three more, I suspect you're going to get out of those closer to 100 at some point. Yeah, uh, it's got the backup. It's got the, the use cases like I, I, I can't argue with this at all either. If you can buy at 65 and get 91 in credit, like on the instant turnaround, again, uh, sign me up. I'm suspecting that the gilded foils are, are probably going to be the, the chase ones. And these are, you know, mythic gilded foils. So they're yeah, very pretty rare. high, on, pretty high on the rarity. So, uh, yeah, this is a, another great pick that can instantly just make you a stack of cash. If you can source them from anybody, like you said, uh, very solid turnaround. And, uh, yeah, another example of how, if you listen to this cast right away, you'll be the first one to make a lot of money. Normally, I, I think of Europe as being the kind of place you could get this this card for even cheaper, but I'm willing to bet that given how things have been going over there, this is not actually going to be easy to source any cheaper there. Let me just check where they're at on this card. They started down near 33 euro, but currently the cheapest is 60 euros, which is over 70. So there's no help for you there. And I bet you Jap Japan is high, very high as well, because they've had their gilded foils uh, priced based on rarity, not based on demand from Japanese players for the card necessarily. Although there must be some crazy Japanese standard players that are playing gilded versions to table some extra bling, because otherwise I don't understand how they're supporting the gilded prices I've seen in Japan. <laughs> All that being said, TCG Player and Facebook, etc., are probably your cheapest options, and all of that bodes well. Because if these were thirty dollars over in Japan, you would see some flow, counter flow, back towards the U.S. that might interrupt the CK buy list, but that doesn't seem likely here. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, foiling out your standard deck hasn't really been a thing for a while, but uh, maybe, maybe there's some folks who are into it. I mean, it happens. But it's a, you're talking you're talking about a very small number of people. Yeah, because again, you've got to be playing uh, regularly, and I don't think even Japan is back to that yet. Japan, Japan, Japan is def yeah, they're definitely running FNMs because they they all mask up anyway. So it, it's not a you know you don't have nearly the the pushback on masks. Ugh, what's that like? <laughs> you know, in a, reason, a reasonable country. Alitza was suggesting we move to Japan for a few months this year just to escape the sneers if you moved to japan would you just like you could the world would hear the sound of your account draining as you went to these different places and said like i'm going to sell all of these cards to people in the states i'd be able to hear that flushing sound from across the ocean bud part of her argument was that we would probably justify some of the cost just by me buying collectibles and shipping them back yes yes yeah I, it's it's the last time I did that was 11 years ago, and it was just before I got into MDG Finance, when I was more on the toy side of things, and I made a good amount of money in Akihabara in a couple of days on Transformers and the like, but shipping really bit into things, because if you can picture this, I had eight gigantic boxes I had to ship back, and that cost hundreds of dollars. They still totally worth it, but if it had been Magic Cards, they would have gone back in my in you know my laptop bag or whatever, and then... <laughs> would have been much more efficient well you know if you decide to, to to make the trip i'm glad that everybody understands why you are Alrighty. so our uh your next selection is 
Oh, uh, my other pick this week is uh, predicated on the new horror general that we're getting, uh, Captain Nazar. I don't, I don't think I could trust myself to say the name of you know the horror from the deep and whatnot. But the evil captain who uh, likes it when people get milled and will get stuff into play for you. Um, he's also it's also a horror and it's Nemesis of Reason. Um, picking foils out of Alara Reborn. If you were playing during Alara Block, you might recall that they had all foil packs for a while there. Kind of a real proto-collector booster thing. Yeah. Only they flooded the bejesus out of the market. They were at Walmart all over the place. All over the place. Uh, I remember I hit up a store that was closing and got like uh, two boxes of those packs for uh, like distributor price. It felt good. But um, there's not a lot of these foils available and it's only had a reprint in the list. Right now, I'm picking it to go uh, 25 to 40. But there's only six near-mint foils on TCG Player right now. Starting at uh, 21 and ending at 35. Once people see this card, and it's uh, it's three blue-black for uh, 3-7 Leviathan Horror. And when it attacks, the defending player mills 10. So you've got really good odds to hit a creature in the top 10 cards. And this has the play pattern where you can play the Nemesis of Reason. The next turn, you drop your commander into play. You immediately attack. You're going to get the bonus that you want. So it's, it's really got a, a lovely uh, pattern going on there. And uh, I think it's going to work out well. The question is if this uh, horror mill general can get there. And if he does, this card's going to jump pretty hard like i said i'm saying 22 to 40 but it could hit 50 or 60 pretty easily it just takes a handful of people who are like i must have this card the interesting thing here is there's another commander in the same deck that also reinforces nemesis of reason because they coughed up zelix no zelix sanity flare two blue for a two three legendary creature horror Hive Mind, whenever a player mills one or more creature cards, you create a 1-1 black horror creature token. And then one tap target player mills three cards, choose a background. So if mm -hmm. Zelix chooses a black background, you can also run Nemesis or Reason. There are uh, a few copies in Europe under 10 euro, but um, that's going to dry up pretty quickly too. And so uh, if two dozen people in the world decide they need this card it'll become expensive real quick in foil so um yeah i've i'm into this i thought there would be a lot more foils available given the all foil packs but it turns out that just isn't the case it's not listed in a lot of uh ed a lot of decks on edh rec but uh i suspect that's just due to age and it hasn't had a strong home there also hasn't been a blue-black mill commander that mattered lately, because Bruvac is probably the biggest mill commander lately, and that's mono-blue. Yeah. And Nemesis is only in 4,800 decks. Yeah. So, it's a low-demand but low-supply situation, which means you don't want to be super deep. It's definitely on the riskier side of things. But if that commander floats to the top of the heap here, then you can see people upgrading the deck. And Nemesis of Reason didn't catch a non-foil reprint in the deck. That is correct. Right, so that it helps. Is not in the deck. That helps, because if people just had a non-foil on hand, it might not be a priority for them to... Oh, wait, no, no, no. No, it, it is in the deck. Yeah, so I think that, 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 that could create some drag, because it may not be a priority for people to upgrade to a foil version if they were gift-wrapped a non-foil. 
Um, so something to keep in mind. The, I suspect that the foils will drain out because we're only really talking about five to 10 copies to move the market here. Um, but I don't think I would grab 10. I might grab one if I plan to build the deck and then hold it for a bit and see where we end up. That's reasonable. So this next one is uh, tip of the hat to Travis for a selection he made in March 21st that has not paid off because his in point, I think, was something like $36. And he called it to go 36 to 60 but the card has done nothing but slide down since then, despite relatively high usage patterns. Thing is, the card has renewed demand lately because Talrand Sky Summoner is one of the highest synergy cards for Angelo, which is the number one built commander in the last month. Uh, Angelo is Death Touch 1-3, Grixis Colors. The first instant or sorcery spell you cast each turn has casualty 2, which means that you cast an instant or sorcery, and then if you sacrifice a creature with at least 2 power, then you can double that spell. Well, you know who really likes that? Talrand. Because if Talrand's on the table at the same time that you have Angelo, then you can stack the triggers such that when you cast an instant or sorcery, you create a 2-2 blue drake token that can then be sacked to Angelo to mean you are constantly doubling your instants and sorceries. Mwah. That is the very definition of perfect synergy. There's no doubt that you're including Talrand in the deck. The card in non-foil has been reprinted, I don't know, 12 times or something. But the uh, if you look at the old border foil versions that came in Time Spiral Remastered, the non-foils are 50 cents, but the foils have slid from the 36 that Travis called it at all the way down to 15 or 16, but there's only 28 listings left. And the downward slide over the last year has like bottomed out, I would say. And now we are going back in the other direction as people snap off copies for their Angelo deck. If you look at the, the sales velocity on TCG Player, you can see that it's moving onesie, twosie per day kind of thing. Sometimes it skips a few days, so probably closer to 0.5 to 1 copies sold per day overall. And I would imagine that Angelo players will slowly, steadily drain these out. And never mind the fact that Talrand is, just before Angelo was even on the scene, was already a card in only built like 3,000 decks as a commander, but as a 99 include, it's in 32,000 decks, which is 5% of all blue decks, which is very impressive given the age of the card. And while the, um, the remastered foil isn't that old, but yeah, Talran's been like a real good addition to any Spells Matter deck uh, from the get-go. So the fact that Angelo does uh, these cute triggers, it makes 2-2 tokens, so you'll always have food. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I I actually have thought about picking this card in the past, but uh, you and I have a, a little agreement about like not repeating ourselves. But uh, Travis picking this, uh, a... almost almost yeah, almost sixteen months ago, um, and and worth flagging because people that are might have bought in on his say so have been underwater, but their exit may be not too far in the distant future. And oh yeah, and people that skipped it and said, hey, maybe these will drift lower. Well, you were right, but now is probably your entry. And and Hello is a very good reason to take another look. I'm with you. Uh, any old border foil, honestly, you can you can make a case to me, and I will I will say yes. I am not hard to talk into old border foils from Time Spiral Remastered. The only I don't see it being the kind of card they would put as a borderless foil in, say, something like Double Masters. It seems a little wrong for that. Uh, 
but I could see it showing up in a secret layer at some point down the road with some fancy version. Uh, but that's true of that literally hundreds of cards. So yeah, like once once we get past Double Masters two, then the, it'll be smooth sailing for a whole bunch of specs. And so uh, once we start getting those previews in, uh, what it comes out July eighth or something. So we should start getting previews in the next two weeks. Two weeks from now, yeah. Great. I can't wait to set my wallet on fire all over again. Yeah, preview season is while I'm traveling across the U.S. on my grand uh, tour of the continent trip. So that'll... Tour that'll the continent. That, I imagine there's going to be some frustrating trying to buy things on TCG Player while I've got no cell reception in the Moab Badlands or whatever. The Moab Badlands. Of Utah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. No, that's that's what it's called. It's true. So, uh, our selection for Pro Trader cards to watch of the week is from uh, user Britain, who tabled uh, a card I thought was interesting and worth discussing. He was he's looking at Big Score out of Streets of New Capenna. Uh, this is an instant for three and a red that we didn't talk much about um, during previous season because a it's a common and. It looks like an overcosted looting effect for the most part. It's as an digital cost to cast a spell, discard a card, then you draw two cards and create two treasure tokens. However, there are tons of treasure synergies on the table from the last few sets, and I, I don't run this in Corval treasures, but it's probably worth testing. Like it, the card quality is already pretty high in that deck, so I'm, I think this is probably in like. The 10 or 15 cards that wouldn't quite make the cut but it's already showing quite a high uh level of play if you check out the results for uh, especially discounting the tri lands on edh rec for streets of new capenna you have void rend at 4200 decks you have an offer you can't refuse at over 10,000. you have professional face breaker at almost 9,000 already which is 17 percent of red decks folks uh and then not far behind them is Big Score at 6,100 decks, which is 11% of all red decks. That's a lot of red decks. Uh, I went and looked up uh, the deck that it looks like. Uh, did you mention what uh, what price uh, Big Britain picked? He was he thinks it's a buy list play to get the non-foils at 50 cents and buy list them eventually at a dollar. Unfortunately, there is absolutely risk associated here because currently Card Kingdom is only offering 15 cents, 20 cents credit. So... You're nowhere near your exit yet. This is this is definitely a a bet on this number on EDH rec, and you have to trust that this number is representative of how much play this thing is going to see a year from now. If it's still seeing steady play out that far, it's probably not going to turn into a deadly dispute, which, by the way, just got to reprint and cut people off if they got too greedy. Um, but it might you know get halfway there and give you the double up. I mean, uh, there is we have a direct comparison in Unexpected Windfall, which is the same card only for two red red, as an instant, and that's from AFR, and that's already in twenty three thousand decks. Well, let's see what it's a little different because it was a summer set, but let's see what Card right. Kingdom offers for that currently, almost a year later. They're offering twenty five cents or thirty three cents credit, so that still would not get you there. It should be worse off than Unexpected Windfall. It is it is only one color mana rather than um which helps. You know, it does help. And decks that want this would love to have a second effect that does this cuz this is the kind of thing that you're, you know, you're copying with Anhelo, you're doing broken things, you've got treasure treasure synergies. I can 
believe this as a long-term play. Uh, it's just that, you know, you're going to put 20 or 30 bucks worth in and get, you know, uh, 50 copies-ish and just park them in the box and move on. And one day you'll be like, oh, look, here's $70 in buy list credit. Congratulations to me. Here you go. I got to say that I wanted to talk about this one, but I think if I was picking between Rafine Scheming Seer versus Big Score as a likely buy list play double up, I think I'm choosing Rafine. Oh, yeah. It's been a heartbeat. It's a, it's a mythic. But not, not just that it's a mythic. It's a mythic that's currently $5. If Rafine was already at 20 then its likelihood of going 20 to 40 on buy list is very low. But at a, as a $5 mythic, as long as it's seeing four of play in standard throughout the, the coming year, it can easily double up on buy list. And, and again, the, the buy list is already there to support you on Rafine, whereas it's, it's a maybe for the future on big score. And again, mythic versus common. So it's a lot harder for big score to get there. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you on that. All right. So uh, I only put a confidence level of seven on that, but I would like to check back in on it down the road and see how Britain did with his call there. Um, moving right along, there was a bunch of reveals at the end of last week that are probably worth us taking a quick look at. Um, and so we recorded the 24th last week, or was it the 23rd? Bottom line, 25th 20, to the 27th worth of reveals would be worth taking a quick look at. So let's see what we got on those days. Um, probably the stuff that jumped out at me the most from the 26th through 27th would be things like Nature's Lore catching a first its first foil printing. Right. Uh, that's certainly relevant. And then Ancient Gold Dragon was, we got the White Dragon on the 26th. I had guessed that this was going to be roll a d20 and get 1-1 one, one Soldier Creatures. But instead, it's roll a d20 and get 1-1 one, one Blue Fairy Dragon Creatures. So in yeah. a blue in a blue-white Fairies deck, this is cool. In a Dragon deck with Dragon Tempest out, this is disgusting. Or Scourge of Balkus. Yeah, yeah. Or like you can you can name you can name whatever card you want. It's all disgusting. How about uh, some kindred kindred discovery fun? How about you roll a d twenty and draw that many cards? Yeah. Plus yep. getting the one ones like well, and if, if you, and if you have the blue dragon out, you just get to your hand size is infinite for the rest of the game, so you don't have to worry about the extra cards. This is why I'm adding ten new dragons to my her dragon deck. So I think red dragon, blue dragon, white dragon, probably the best dragons and the ones that are holding the highest pre-order prices. The problem here is in a set where they don't have big time reprints like Dockside Extortionist in the end, the the market is already pricing the best of the cards at very high price points because they assume that the EV is going to funnel into a narrow band of cards. So I don't know that we're going to get really great entry points on these dragons. Um it could be that if vendors get stuck with these cards in quantity and start to panic, you could see them start under undercutting each other and, and prices could get lower. I don't know how much the best of the, you know, the top 10 cards in CMR2, I don't know how much they're going to drift down, to be honest. Very curious to see what happens there. Yeah, like the the real, you know, we did the whole bit about uh, needing a Jeweled Lotus or a Mana Crypt or something, but they they just didn't. And so the value has to go somewhere, and the dragons are probably your best bet. I mean, like Old Gnawbone, 
uh, is still the big winner from AFR, right? Yep. So um, seeing that the cards are right now, if you sort by a tabletop price, like things are at, at ridiculous prices right now, um, and they're they're going to come down. But there's a whole lot of dragons at the top, and then you're looking at all sorts of um, specialized cards, and we'll we'll see. Like I'm I'm planning on buying. Uh, a lot of some of these dragons i just don't know how long i'm going to let myself wait before i do the closest card to a quote-unquote jeweled lotus that they coughed up in terms of a mythic artifact that looked like they were maybe trying to push it was vexing puzzle box i, I wrote about this on friday yeah seems very medium but could Ooh, be... I, I i don't agree with you well here's the thing could be sneaky good people could easily be underestimating this and if you get more and more dice rolling cards over time, then this card gets better and better. So it definitely has forward-looking synergies. Uh, this is three mana for an artifact. Whenever you roll one or more dice, put a number of charge counters on Vexing Puzzle Box equal to the result. Tap, add one mana of any color, roll a d20. So on average, you're tapping to get 10 charge counters on it. Later, you get to remove 100 charge counters, so search your library for an artifact card, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Cool. But you need to, this is not a one-card combo. You need other things going on in your deck to really drive this. Like You, you want to be able to get this off every three turns or so, which means you got to figure out a way to be rolling dice three, four, five times a turn cycle. Right. Um, you're in there on that. It's just, uh, let me remember what exactly Delina is her name, not Delima. She... So, um, Delina is the one that really is going to uh, kick some butt on this. And if you want to go get an ampersand promo of her while you can. Um, I think that this is the kind of card that Commander players are going to go crazy for. This uh, super silly artifact that's like, roll all the d20s you can. And, like you said, every set that that they want to mess around with d20s or dice in general like um there's uh something where you roll xd6s in uh, one of the last sets some giant hydra thing um there's there's a lot of things they've done with dice and there's things they're going to do with dice and this just slots right in and then you got to choose like what your fun artifact is you're going to tutor for i wish that this was like any creature like any card, like put search for a permanent and put into play. Like I'm doing the work to put a hundred charge counters on here. Come on, wizards, throw me a bone here. Why has it got to be just an artifact? Delina ampersand promos are up to about thirty-five to forty US in Europe, and on TCG Player, they're at, there's just eight listings left, starting at about fifty. Delina most of the time rolls one extra die per turn. Right, but twenty-five percent of the time she rolls twice per turn. But she has to be attacking to do it, so you got to keep her alive, and and have good ways to get her through, or make it un unlikely for people to block. Uh, it seems like a work hard commander to me that falls apart pretty easily if they pick apart your synergies. Well, we haven't gotten the dice rolling commander yet, and we will. So I would keep an eye on the the vexing puzzle box, but I suspect it's going to get low. Um, would be my guess. The other card that was released that day that seemed 
more interesting to me was Altar of Ball. One and a black for an artifact. It has Bone Offering, which is an adventure. Create a For two and a black, you create a tap for one black skeleton creature token with Menace. It's kind of neither here nor there. That's just kind of bonus to this card. Then you have two black, exile a creature you control, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it stays there. So this is a repeatable uh, recurring nightmare style effect. Recurring nightmare also has a fairly similar overall mana cost to get things rolling. And I think Ultra Ball, as a mythic, might have been an auto spec, and as a rare, is still probably going to be worth watching to see how low it gets. I am looking forward to buying a lot of this card. There's a, there's generations of people who have not played with Recurring Nightmare. Yep. Like, Recurring Nightmare has been banned from Commander for the longest time, so the only place you really see it is cube builds. And if you haven't had the joy of playing with this card, it is busted right in half. Especially because this stupid thing comes with the first token on the adventure. Yep. Like, that is, that is phenomenal. Um, it's trying to be fixed because it's an artifact... You have to tap it uh, so that you're going to need something else that lets you untap the artifact. You're also exiling the creature so you can't just like loop Eternal Witness into uh, Grave Titan and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But like the number of broken things you can do with this effect is going to be very high. I'm not sure it's going to have the chance to get terribly cheap. What do we, what do we have? What do we have for pre-orders on this right now? I'm gonna guess 450. I have not looked at this card yet on TCG Player. It is at 370 plus 78 cents shipping, so pretty much dead on 450. Mm -hmm. So I think it's priced priced fairly at present, and I want them cheaper than this. Uh, they're going to get cheaper. I just I think that a lot of these are going to go into decks especially because people will get uh if they're playing the you know the limited events they'll see this happen and they'll think that card's amazing and they'll be right so uh i am i'm looking forward to doing disgusting things with this card the nice thing about elder bell is all it really wants from you is that you have token creatures that are good sack fodder mm -hmm. outside of that it could show up in any number of decks so that one's a good one ancient gold dragon is a good one uh, I also liked, let's see. I thought uh, Barroom Brawl was really funny. I don't think it's going to be good, but I think it's really funny the way that like the fight just goes around the table. Um, sure. For one, a green target creature you can full control fights target creature the opponent to your left controls. Then that player may copy the spell and choose new targets. So they can't target you back. You're choosing whoever's next in turn order. And you can you can imagine some really fun things going on with this silly card. Deadly Dispute, we mentioned earlier, is getting a reprint, so that cuts that spec off at the knees for the time being. Um, Card Kingdom's not even taking non-foils at the moment, and they were desperate for them not too long ago. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, then they started showing off cards that are exclusive to the Baldur's Gate Commander decks, which got revealed yesterday and today. And the exclusive cards also show up in the AFR CBs, which was kind of like the last hope for those CBs to be a little bit more juiced, was that the cards would be as good for Baldur's Gate as they were for Streets of New Capenna, because that has, I think, something like, I think it's 8 to 12 cards of the, the NCC uh, set that are already five to 10,000 decks or something. Right. But they're, doing, they're doing very well. 
And they did, in fact, cough up some very good-looking cards here. So let's go through a few of these. I, I played this one, play-tested this one this weekend. Black Market Connections, two and a black. Enchantment. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, choose one or more. Sell Contraband, which is create a treasure token, lose a life. Buy information, draw a card, lose two life. Hire a mercenary, create a 3-2 colorless shapeshifter creature token with changeling, you lose three life. This card is, at minimum, a solid greed analog. People were saying Phyrexian Arena, but because the cards cost you twice as much, I don't think that's a great comparison. It's more of a flex card that played early on in the game, gives you some pretty good options. And I tested it in Corval Treasures because it creates treasures every turn, and I will certainly... Mm -hmm. Certainly give up a life to get Corval triggers. Uh, it draws cards for two life, which is fine. When I tested it in Aloro, for instance, this card was bonkers because I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care about six life at all in Aloro because I'm averaging anywhere from two to eight life a turn in that deck as I start to spin up my wheels. And so in that deck, I made I draw drew like four cards, made a bunch of treasures, made I think shapeshifters at least twice. The cute thing with the shapeshifters was I could make their cha their changelings, so they're every creature type. So when I cast uh, Realm Cloaked Giant into a, a board with a Loro and two changelings, none of my creatures died, and all the non giants died. Yep. Uh, so I think. I, I'm not sure if I like this better than Protection Racket. I think Protection Racket does overall more work and doesn't ask, is is more deck agnostic. Protection Racket just feels like it can go in any black deck, and as long as it's it hits the table and no one kills it right away, you are going to get net positive benefit from it in, in games that don't finish on turn 3 to 5. Like, if somebody combos off early, then any of those resource generation things, like Rhystic Study, Smothering Tithe, etc., are do-nothing cards. In games that go 5 to 15 turns, they tend to do well. And... I think Black Market Connections will do good work in decks where you either punish people when you lose life or you have a lot of life to spare. But I think that's a narrower uh, band of decks than, say, the decks that that the metagames where Smuggler's Share is good or the, you know, generally, you know, mixed bag of tables that will make a protection racket good. I, I agree. Like, the... That's a good term that I think I'm going to try to put into circulation is deck agnostic. Like any black deck will play protection racket. If you're playing black market connections, you're going to need something like some, some hook in there. Like you need the treasures. You've got something you're going to do with the changelings. Like there's a lot of decks that can use these effects. It's just not a lot of them that are capable of paying the six life without blinking to get the card, the treasure and the token. But it's also nice that you get the choice. And ca commander cards that are archetype or commander agnostic are usually big deal specs. Like that's your Rhystic Studies, your Smothering Tithes, your S Presentinels, your um, Smuggler Shares. The cards that can that slide into the deck almost regardless of what else, whatever whatever else you're doing. And a card like Protection Bracket is good in the in the sense that it can just slide in anywhere in a black deck. But if you have synergies, like you're say playing Yuriko, and a lot of your cards are high casting cost on purpose then Protection Racket's even better because it leans hard into the, what Yuriko wants to be doing. Um, whereas something like Black Market Connections, I think, is a little more specialized. Now, some of this other stuff, I think, is even better. They gave us Aboleth Spawn, two and a blue, for a 2-3 Fish Horror. It has Flash, good. Ward 2, also good. And then it has Probing tele Telepathy, which is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control... 
and causes a triggered ability of that creature to trigger, you may copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So so spicy. They play an, they play an eternal witness. They get it back at card. So do you. They play something that solemn. gains. Yeah, solemn. They you get the solemn trigger. Um, they play a thing that uh, get, you know, a mold drifter or whatever. You're drawing two cards. This is nice. anything that makes tokens. Yeah, this is this is just nicey nice. <laughs> this is, and it's it's also worth noting. This is not until end of turn. No, this is constant while the creature is in play, and this is ridiculous. Because if there's one thing commander players have learned to do, it's put triggered ability like enters the battlefield triggered abilities because you can't rely on something being in play forever. So you've got your reclamation sages you've got your reanimate triggers you got all these cool things that people are doing and you're just like i'll have some of that i'll have some of that i'll have some of that thank you thank you thank you thank you and this is amazing it's just amazing and the nice thing here is because it has flash it's not just a rattlesnake that's going to stop them from putting a avenger of zendikar or a necrotal or something into play where they don't want to have the you know they're not willing to try to come into play, murder something, when you're going to get to do it back, potentially. Unless they negotiate it. Like, maybe they'll negotiate it. In which, <laughs> case, in which case, it'll be totally fine. Like, if it was me, and you've got this on the table, and I want a Necrotal-esque something, I'm going to go, I want a Necrotal, but I want... I'm only going to do it if you agree to not target one of my creatures with your trigger. And then you're getting two for one on your own. <laughs> on your own, it comes into playability, which is, seems very good. You could also do things like that with your Eternal Witness, where you can negotiate your, you know, the spawn player into bringing back a point removal spell that will not be pointed at you, or a counter spell that will not be pointed at you, or whatever. So this 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 has very open-ended synergy. Another one of these cards that can feels like it can go into almost any blue deck. Um, because it's reactive to the meta you're facing. It's mm-hmm. there are games where it you know it may not do much, but you're still going to table it because the games where it does stuff, it's going to do a lot of stuff. Um, I also like. Um, I wanted to chime in about one of the themes on one of these decks. Um, okay. The whole spell from exile thing. Like uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Nal Nalfeshni. The beast demon for five and a red is four six flyer. Yep, yep. When you cast a spell from exile, copy it. You may choose new targets. If it's a permanent, that copy gains haste and at the beginning of the end step sacrifice this. Um, the deck is really based around uh, doing cool things where you exile other people's stuff or your stuff and then cast it. But the biggest place that I've seen people cast from exile, cascade, buddy. Everything cascade is exiled. Ah, but there's actually even more pressure. There's Prosper Tomebound. Right. Who, at the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of your library, and then whenever you play a card from exile, create a treasure token. Until the end of your next turn, you can play the cards that you've exiled. And Prosper is not only one of the uh, top commanders of the last two years. I think he's already number nine, even though he's only been present for half that time, which is impressive. In the last month, he is number two. In the past week, he's also number two. Because he got a ton of play from Exile cards to fool around with, both from Streets of New Capenna, with NCC, and with the Commander Legends 2 stuff. So Prosper and Ur-Dragon are actually the top two built commanders from the past week, even though they have nothing to do with the new set. 
their themes have been reinforced to the point where people are turning their attention back to those already popular commanders to to rebuild and add cards. It's like you said, you've got 10 cards already designated to go into your Ur-Dragon. Oh, you... I don't want to think about it. And so it's you and everybody else that's suddenly turning your attention to Ur-Dragon. I could build a, a new Ur-Dragon deck just off of like the last four sets, honestly. Um, There's another... Go ahead. The, the, the whole thing about... Um... Like, I, I do love Prosper. I just wanted to point out that all the goodness with uh, Exile is, is true because of the way Cascade is worded. Because you exile all these cards, and then you cast one of them, and uh, then you are getting that all these, all these good triggers from playing stuff from Exile. So keep that in mind when you're building this deck. They also cough, coughed up this white creature. Where is it? It's one and a white for, I think, a 2-1... And any time, or 2-2, and any time your opponents search, you draw a card, gain a life. Is that it? Yes, that is the card. I don't remember what the card is called. Deep uh, Gnome Terramancer is the card, and it is a 2-2, and it also has Flash. No, that I, I believe that's a different card. Oh, no, 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 that's not it. Yeah, yeah. Deep Gnome Terramancer is the one where whenever one or more lands enters the battlefield under an opponent's control without being played... You may search your library for a planes card, put it on the battlefield. That's also a solid card against things like uh, Lord, yeah, but Lord Windgrace, people playing Crucible of Worlds, etc. Uh, no, that doesn't. Uh... Oh no, because they're still played off Crucible, aren't they? Yeah. So fetch lands but... or or instants or sorceries that just put into play. Correct. Yeah, so that's not not as exciting. Where is the white card that is exciting? Huh. <laughs> Can't find it, but I'm pretty sure we got the stats right on that, and it's it's pre-ordering for a solid amount of money. If I just go on TCG Player and sort by high to low, I bet you it's in the top five. Uh, let's see. At least the top ten. It's not a... Yeah, Archivist of... Ogma. Ogma, yes. So this is Extended Arts. Are there Extended Art Foils? Yes, there are. Extended Art Foils are currently going for $83. <laughs> Seems kind of high. Hard to picture that being a spec. Even if those come down to 40, I don't know if I believe it's a spec. I mean, the card is very good. It's And it's open-ended synergy. How many times per game will this go off if you cast it in response on turns two or three to the to a fetch land going off? So, let, let, like, it's not a human. This is a real drawback if you're looking for it to have, like, modern or legacy applications. Well, it can't be played in modern because it's a CMR2 card. Oh, right, right. Um... So I guess that's not quite as big a deal. Humans isn't really a thing in Legacy. It, like, this isn't hate bear enough. Like, you, like, the equal resources is not where you want to be. Where, But, like, in Commander? Like, oh my god. This is... I think this card is as overblown as Smuggler Share is. They are both clearly good. But they are also dependent on the cards your opponents bring to the table. If, okay. every, if everybody at the table is running multiple demonic tutor effects, they have the full set of fetch lands, and they have a few other search-based things in their deck, and you're going to get four or five triggers a game out of this, this card is very solid. If you, if you only get the first fetch plus another fetch, and then nothing else happens during the game where anybody searches, then this is fine. You're up a card. Sure, but it's a it's it's but otherwise it's just a two like it's a two two with flash. It d- probably doesn't have specific synergies elsewhere in your deck unless you're running a cleric deck. So, is this an eighty dollar foil extended art? Seems like a stretch to me. That's definitely a stretch. 
I, I think it is like Protection Racket and those other cards we were talking about in the sense that it can go into almost any white deck, and that will certainly help it help its price. At present, I, I, I just feel like the EV is doing that thing we talked about where it's flowing into a small number of cards and pumping them up. I, I find it hard to convince myself that I want to be anywhere near this card, anywhere near this price level, um, to look at it as something that could gain further. So it's got to get, it's got to fall off a cliff. And the problem with it falling off a cliff is it might indicate that it's not as popular as people thought it would be, which then doesn't doesn't provide the signal to get in. So it's a good card. I won't think about it too much unless I see it cheaper. Um, I like this other card a lot more though. I like Spectacular Showdown. And I was talking about this with the pro traders on the Commander game on Saturday, just after it was spoiled. And talking about how I think this is pretty close to the red version of Cyclonic Rift or Winds of Abandon in white. It's one and a red, put a double strike counter on target creature, then go to each creature that had a double strike counter put on it this way. So your default case is that you get to goad something really big and nasty and, and aim it at one of your opponents. Eh, it's fine. You're really hoping to wait and overload this for four triple red. Then it goads the entire table and gives them all double strike. And then you just get to kick back and watch while the next turn cycle unfolds and your opponents massacre each other. I mean, uh, I've I've played with a, a similar card, Warmonger something or other, uh, where it's like an 8-8 for where all creatures have double strike and must attack each turn you fable. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, but I do like that you get um, two turns of watching two people just murder each other. And then uh, the last person standing gets to attack you finally. That's cute. It's really depending on what they have left, because you play this on your second main phase and you're you're good to go. Well, and if on if on that turn cycle nobody manages to kill anybody, you you've just decimated their boards, right? Like that's why I compared it to a blue, uh, a red cyclonic rift. Blue obviously cyclonic rift is still a better card because the, it's not dependent on how things play out. It just puts it all back up in their hands, and that's that. Th- this. They can, if they have sack effects, etc. There are ways for them to get around this, so it's not ever going to be as good as the certainty of a Winds of Abandon or a Cyclonic Rift. But it might be the closest thing that Red has. And it, the other thing is they gave us a bunch of other Goad cards, and the more Goad cards they give us, especially if some of them give Double Strike counters or something along the way, this card just gets better and better. Like they they revealed another Goad card out of the deck, Bothersome Quasit, two and a Red for three two Menace Demon. Goaded creatures your opponent's control can't block, and whenever you cast it on creature spell, go target creature and opponent controls. So you can bother some quasit, cast some spells, goad some shit along the way, and then eventually Spectacular Showdown, and then, then in the turn sequence where the showdown is going on, nothing can block. So it's just all getting through. In, in which case, yeah, the second and third players may may end up dying, <laughs> and, the, and the final player gets to attack you. Well, you know, that that means you did your job. You, you forced them all to attack each other to death. Which is really the the point of the goading. Um, what's that card from like Homelands that puts a bunch of uh, that has a cumulative upkeep of give your opponents creatures? Um, I can't remember the name, but it's like you get uh, something something riders. Anyway, uh, oh Varchild's War Riders. Varchild's War Riders. I remember trying to build decks around that. The cumulative upkeep is they get a one one warrior or something. Yeah. And so, like, all you need to do is make sure people have creatures to attack each other with. You can oblige. It's so good. I'm, I'm really, 
a fan of the goading deck because uh, I've seen too many commander games where people are like, mm, I don't know who to attack and I don't want to open myself up. Let's just take that choice out of the equation, shall we? Let's just say you're going to get in there. You didn't put... Uh, I, I say this all the time in the dragon deck. I, I didn't put giant dragons in the deck to stay back and not attack. So, like, why are you holding back with your 2-2s two and your 3-3s? Three no, no, no. Let them get your Oracle of Moldiah. That needs to get in there. Get in there, Oracle. Get some damage. Love it. I love everything about this deck. They also showed us some pretty good some pretty good backgrounds. Uh, Clan Crafter, for one. One in a blue legendary enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have two. Sack an artifact. Put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature and draw a card. That's the kind of thing where you might try it in Brea and similar decks. You know, Sackathopter, put a plus one, plus one counter on Brea and draw a card. That's not bad at all, even if you can't have it as a as your second commander. And then uh, they showed off Artificer class. Um, class cards debut having debuted in AFR last summer. And we have some classes we hadn't gotten to yet. This is one in a blue. The first artifact spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. So right away, it's setting up for payoff. And then level two, when this class becomes level two, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that one in your hand, the rest in the bottom in, any, in a random order. And then level three is five and a blue. At the beginning of your end step, create a token that's a copy of target artifact you control. This is a card I'm looking forward to buying uh, yes. a lovely brick of. Yes, because here, there's no alt versions of this. It, it's a it's a rare but it, at best it has an extended art and i don't even know if it would given that it's a level card um we like it it just recently came out so we'll we'll see um we haven't had uh extended art versions of the other classes have we i don't think so so i i could i could see this being a a pretty good spec because this works in there are many, many flavors of blue artifact decks. I mean, the smaller, just starting from the very beginning, Urza Lord High Artificer is definitely going to run Artificer class. Seems very good there. Um, you know, you could be duplicating Constructs. You could be duplicating Blightsteel Colossus. You could be duplicating Darksteel Forge. It could be any number of things. Um, great card. Yeah. Uh, I also like um, Astral Dragon is kind of cute. Oh, kind of cute kind of cute well here's the thing it's the kind of card that doesn't read cleanly to newer more casual players like, oh my god it, it, the showcase appeal is lower than in other things this is the kind of card you need to kind of have explained to you if you're not in the trenches six double blue four four flying dragon when astral dragon enters the battlefield create two tokens that are copies of target non-creature permanent except they're three three dragon creatures in addition to their other types and they have flying so you pick the two best non-creature permanents on the board in under anybody's control and you get a four four flying dragon a three three dra flying dragon and another three three flying dragon and the last two have the abilities of other shit that's on the table so you copy phyrexian arena and panharmonicon uh, i was thinking of copying uh dragon tempest uh, I'm also thinking of copying Assorted Planeswalkers. Um, this is yet another card I'm going to like throw right into uh, the Ur Dragon, and uh, I'm honestly going to need to go in and decide like if I'm going to break my tribal rule and put uh, Dragon Speaker Shaman back into the deck, because this is 8 mana for a 4-4 Dragon, which is, is really high. 
that's a lot of mana. That's like Dragon Tyrant level. That's this is more mana than Dragonlord Atarka. You know, we're we're talking like a big investment, but you get so much for it. You're getting ten flying power and toughness plus whatever abilities you're stealing. Oh yes, oh yes. So here's the thing: a couple things. A, I got that wrong. They can't. It doesn't target two different things. You target one thing, and then both the three three token dragon tokens are that thing, right? So you could target Panharmonicon and you get two of them. You could target Phyrexian Arena and you get two Phyrexian, flying Phyrexian Arenas. It is worth noting, too, that uh, if you target anything legendary, one of them will die. Sure. But I will say this. It's also just, you can also just look at it from a completely different angle. It's not a dragon card. It's a reanimation target. So yeah. you, you just discard this with Tainted Indulgence on two, Animate Dead on three, and target Soul Ring. And you've got a 4-4 Flying Dragon and two Soul Rings. Like, your worst case is you're, you're getting two lands that are 3-3 three, three flyers. Oh, yeah, because it can target any non-creature permanent. That's right. You could, also, you could also target, like, Gaia's Cradle and get two Cradles. Uh, yeah, they'd be legendary. So, some other amazing land. Yeah, sure. you get to keep one. So, anyway, this, this card looks pretty good. They're all really good. And also, it's... the difference between a rare and a mythic for cards that come out of the regular versions that come out of the commander decks is irrelevant. Because if they only appear in the one deck, whether they listed them as rare or mythic, they are in fact the same rarity. It only they only separate again in terms of their their drop rates as extended arts in the CBs. Correct. Yeah. So that's definitely worth keeping in keeping in mind because there may I would argue that when there's a single copy in the four decks, the rare may as well be a mythic. Right. And may and therefore may do better than the extended art because the extended art is dropping at a rare drop rate in the CBs. It was a real arbitrary thing in the first commander deck where it was common if it was in all the commander decks, and then it was like rare if it was in two of them, and then mythic if it was in only one. I think was the rule in the commander twenty eleven, but uh, I, that is that's not the case anymore. They just put mythic and rare on here for their own giggles. I really don't know what the, uh, the the whole plan is. Doubling back to the, the super goad card, Bailoth, Baratel, Entertainer being the goad commander and kind of the prototypical goad commander that's unlikely to be bettered anytime soon. And also being a flexible commander that can use, be built in a bunch of different ways. Any like that you can choose any nut, any of the backgrounds, and he could be red-white, he could be red-blue, he could be red-black, depending on which background you want to lean into. I think Bailoth has a pretty decent chance of showing up in a bunch of 99s as well, because even putting aside the background thing, I can see lots of decks where Bailoth is just going to do work at 5 mana. I would agree with you on that. Like we, You want to make sure that uh, the mana dorks either get used or they attack, the utility creatures have to attack. Like There's a, a lot of good things to be done here, and especially... If you've got some equipment or something else that can boost his power, like the background that we were talking about before. He's a, he's a little worse than the 99, because if, say I want to put him in Corvold to get the treasures, right? cool, I probably will get the treasures, but I don't really have a way to boost his power, per se. So it's going to be mostly affecting people's tokens um, or their you know early plays. So I'd, I want to play it a little bit to, to feel more certain, but I could see Bayloth being a spec. Um, 
Moving on, they also showed us green slime. Two and a green for a flash ooze, 2-2. Two, two. When green slime enters the battlefield, counter target artifact activated or triggered ability from an artifact or enchantment source. If a permanent permanence ability is countered this way, destroy that permanent. And you can foretell it. So you can pay two at some point, hide it, and then cast it later for one and not be subject to hand disruption and so forth. This card's good. Um, I don't think it's amazing, but it's it's definitely has very broad utility because you can counter a you know Nevernell's disc or a what's the one green black enchantment from way but Pernicious a deed, deed yeah you could counter a deed something something that's going to do very nasty things you could somebody could try to kill you with a etherflux reservoir and you could counter the activation and destroy the reservoir you can get pretty cute with green slime and it's got very broad applications so i suspect that may be a spec they also gave us solemn doom guide each creature in your graveyard that's a cleric row warrior or wizard has unearth so i mean they're starting to fill in the blanks and like round out the archetype and i think that when we're looking back on commander legends 2 that's what it's, it's going to be remembered for filling out four or five different archetypes you know it's giving a bunch of goad pieces a bunch of dragon pieces it's giving a bunch of party pieces um and background Commanders as a new angle on on partner. I think these are all positives, um, and they're the, the question is how many of them are insular to this set structure? Because if they continue to support any of these in the future, I mean, dragons, for instance, will definitely get additional support in future. Um, right. But backgrounds could be a while. So okay, I mean, Burkos was never on my list as a spec. It just looked like a fun commander to build. Now I'm uh, less excited about it. Well, we the other thing is with the party, um, we've we've had, like we're getting new good party cards, and so that just might make your, um, is it Tazri? Oh, it's not Tazri. Um, there's a a five color, ally guy, who counts as all of, who is one less. Um, I can't think of the name, but anyway. Oh I yes, keep going. yes, yes. Uh, it is Tazri, Beacon of Unity. Uh, the um. Mythic out of five color commander. There's a card here that jumped out at me as maybe being a prosper spec, passionate archaeologist, the background. One in a red commander creatures you own have whenever you cast a spell from exile, this creature deals combat, deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to target opponent. So sliding this into the 99 in prosper, you don't get it as a background, you just get it as an enchantment. But it kind of comes down to does it earn its slot based on how uh well you feel like you can keep prosper in play like if you can keep prosper in play this thing is pretty ridiculous really good in that deck you know so i'm i'm very curious to see which if any backgrounds will be popular in the 99s i think the play is going to be um to wait like a year and then buy all the backgrounds for the next time they print, uh, choose a background, and then see uh, if you can uh, cash in some stuff there. I, I suspect I suspect that it's going to be more like uh, whatever background goes best with the best background commander. Like maybe it's Bailoff, uh, and if it's the black card that we called out above Cultist of the Absolute, then right. you know foil Cultist of the Absolutes may just end up being ten to fifteen dollar cards, and they started at a dollar fifty. I mean, it's not hard to see, like, uh, 
if you look at the assorted backgrounds as enchantments for your commander that aren't auras, you know, a lot of these uh, offer some real sweet, sweet things you can do. And I'm going to sit down and take a, a lot of look at these because a, a lot of times if you have a new sweet commander, then you'll want a background to give that commander that, that power. You just might won't have it as part of the uh, command zone stuff. All right, just to cap things off, talk a little bit about Brainstealer Dragon. This is five double black for a 6-6 six, six flying dragon horror. At the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of each opponent's library. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, spending any mana, mana of any color to cast it. And then whenever a non-land permanent an opponent owns enters the battlefield under your control, they lose life equal to its mana value. <laughs> uh, again, cool in a dragon deck, even better in a reanimator deck. I mean, yes, you're, you're getting the 6-6 six, six flyer, which will get you cards back if it's not immediately dealt with in a reanimator. And uh, this is in the deck, So, but the uh, extended arts are in the uh, boosters, right? We were debating on... Yeah, they'll be in the collector boosters. We were debating like, on the weekend I'm... whether I would put this, like find a slot for this in Satoru and or Yuriko. Um, because in Yuriko, it's dealing 7 damage when it's revealed. And then the effect is doing good things, too. Yeah, but in Satoru, I could swap this for a ninja on ninjutsu. turn 3 or... Yeah, ninjutsu <laughs> it in for 3 or 4, and then it's it's very nasty. But the problem is, like, there's so many good options in that case. Like, in that in Satoru, I have Blightsteel Colossus, I have Jinjutaxius, I have um, Hullbreaker Horror, I have um, Archon of Cruelty. So there's only like five or six big guy slots um, for that purpose. And and this is fun, but I'm not sure it's necessary. Man, if you're not playing Commander for the fun, what are you doing? Uh, Try it out. Uh, then, then take it out when, some, when the next set comes out and they do other ridiculous things. Like if there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that they will continue to give us ridiculous cards. I just I just hope that they can stop giving me five new dragons to put in every damn set. I'm tired of having to like. <laughs> you have a wealth of riches for sure. I also like the problem is is that um, because the dragon deck is foiled out, like I'm not buying the cheap versions for the deck, <laughs> so I'm just like taking out these cards that I just spent money on. Uh, it stings. I don't it stings. see brain. I don't see brain stealer up for sale. Yeah, it just PC. it just came out. I'm not surprised. Yeah, but it should be tomorrow. We should see early pricing on it. All right. So I mean, all in all, I, I think. Oh, I guess the other thing we should flag very quickly is uh, key reprints in these commander decks. A couple of them had stuff that was not too exciting. Skull Clamp was announced in the Party Time deck. Uh, I guess the biggest one was Jessica's Will getting a reprint. Right. So people getting caught uh, flat-footed if they have regular copies. Fortunately, I am only hold mostly holding Extended Arts and Foil Extended Arts, so I suspect I'm all right. Um, although the extended arts might get some drag from a regular copy being available. Uh, there was a bunch of decent 5 to $10 cards in a couple of the decks, and the other decks had relatively little. There was like a Curtain's Call. Um, what's that land that lets you go get two lands? Myriad uh, Landscape. Landscape, caught a, yeah. Caught a reprint. Reflections of Litjara. Leyline of Anticipation and Black Market catching yet another reprint. Um, Lightning Greaves. Black, Black Market's in here again? Yep. 
Oh, I can't wait to buy a big stack of those. I mean, it's it's getting hammered down though. It's got caught quite a few printings, so I'm not sure. Fantastic. How close I want to be to it, to be honest. Um, Vivian, Champion of the Wilds, Xenagos the Reveler. Nothing like too crazy. I, I think Jessica's Will is really the biggest deal. Skull Clamp, Niv Mizzet, Perun, but that wasn't super expensive to begin with. Talismans from MH1 caught reprints here. So, I mean, fortunately, I've any money I have in Talismans is in foils. Your Dragon's Horde. Yeah, but uh, I, I picked Dragon's Horde in foils, so yeah. uh, we'll see if, if that does anything like we talked about sometimes uh the money is in having the foil version as people want to upgrade and sometimes it's just not because <laughs> you get the one for free um i bought a ton of um uh the the x spell avison's judgment when the madness commander came out the mm-hmm. on j falconrath mm-hmm. i bought a, a big old brick of foil uh avison's judgment and it, it didn't move at all so sometimes it pays, sometimes it doesn't. Avatar of Slaughter, Will Kenrith and Rowan Kenrith in the in the dragon deck, oddly enough. And then Midnight Clock. The decks look solid. The decks yeah, look they're, solid. They're, they're I think all the... solid, just none of them are just like, holy crap, it's Jeweled Lotus Part 2. Well, true. <laughs> but I wasn't expecting that in these decks. This is more about, can you get... Are any of these decks going to double up in price over the course of 18 to 24 months? Uh, if I had to guess which one it would be, it would be the Mind Flayers with Captain uh, Gathrod because the Horrors deck has some pretty good stuff or the deck that has Jessica's Will in it because it could be the kind of thing where Jessica's Will carries most of the cost of the deck after not in the not-too-distant future. Uh, honestly, uh, I would probably... That's the Exit from Exile deck. I would say the Draconic Descent would be the one, like, because just dragons are always going to be greatness, and it's hard not to get uh, some fun value off of these, but there's not as many dragons in here as I would have wanted. There's not even, like, one ancient dragon from the new set. Although Bothersome Quasit is in this one, too. The dragon deck does have Spectacular Showdown and Bothersome Quasit and Astral Dragon and Artificer class so astral dragon yeah that's that's a pretty solid set of new i just cards. need to buy this one the green right. slime is in the jessica's will deck yep Ooh, blasphemous act again that's a card that's been printed into oh. the ground <laughs> oh by the way uh you realized that the that red dragon that deals damage to things when your dragons take damage is counterattack against blasphemous act because nobody yeah. can nobody can do 13 dollar your dragons when you're gonna just like kill them in response <laughs> i love everything about like um one of these days i'm gonna sit down and write some twenty thousand word uh essay about how all of my dragons from ur dragon are from the last like four years almost none of them are old now yeah that's wrathful wrathful red dragon i'm talking about which is yeah. extended arts are currently at 1377 and foils are at 27 this is a card i'll have my eye on because it's an auto include in the dragon decks yeah but there's only so many auto-includes you can play, man. This one seems like truly like is unlikely <laughs> to ever be outside the top 30. Because whenever 
any dragon you control is dealt damage. It deals that much damage to a target that isn't a dragon. That's fantastic rattlesnake action. It's true. It is really good. Alrighty, so uh, that's our week. Where can people find you online, Cliff? Uh, you can find me online at Word of Commander on Twitter, as well as my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me uh, on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as my uh, upcoming article on which version of Magic Cards should you buy on mtgprice.com. And I also haunt our Pro Trader Discord, handling everything over there for the Pro Traders. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. If you're looking to get in on Double Masters Collector Boosters, that's a big thing in the Discord right now. Uh once again, MTG Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh my gosh, James, we just finished even more reviews, and we got more reviews, more previews coming in two weeks for Double Masters. I can't wait. Can't wait. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.